What's up and welcome to The Jay Martin Show. If you are new to the show, my name is Jay and I am an investor looking for the smartest home for my cash. Uh, maybe that's you as well. And if so, I think you're going to like what we do here. Most of what we do here is interview money managers who have been in the game a lot longer than I have so that they can help me add either conviction or questions to my thesis about where I'm allocating capital. And we put out about three of those interviews per week. But sometimes I like to just dive deep into what I consider do you like my bracelet, by the way? My four-year-old made this for me and I promised I'd wear it today. It's nice. What, what, <laughs> what I do sometimes though is dive into what I consider to be the most sports-specific layer of investing, which is understanding the psychology of decision-making, right? At the end of the day, if you get really granular with good and bad investors, it's just making good and bad decisions. And most importantly, understanding what triggers good decisions and what triggers bad ones, all right? Today, that's what we're gonna dive into. And today I wanna to talk about communication because it goes without saying that human beings are incredibly complex creatures and when we are trying to communicate, we go through a variety of dances, behavioral dances. And one in particular that I wanna to cover today is as common in elementary school classrooms as it is in war zones. And this has probably happened to you. Maybe it happened to you in a lecture hall where you honestly did not understand the material Yet instead of asking a stupid question, you just falsely nodded your head along in agreement. Have you done that before? Maybe you pushed forward an initiative at work while silently questioning the ethics of that initiatives and the initiatives and the ethics of your supervisor. Maybe you watched a peer become the target of slander, yet defending them would have put the target on you. So instead of speaking up, you kept your distance and played it safe. Now, maybe unbeknownst to you, in every single one of those situations where you felt like you were the only one who maybe should speak up but didn't, maybe all your peers felt the exact same way you did, but everyone thought they were the only ones, and as a result, nobody spoke up. That dance is called pluralistic ignorance. Now, pluralistic ignorance occurs when virtually every member of a group privately disagrees with what is considered to be the prevailing attitudes of the group as a whole, creating essentially a false consensus. Now, this is a big topic, and I'm gonna discuss it more in subsequent episodes. However, today, I wanna to start with one question. What causes consensus? Now, there was a legendary psychologist by the name of Solomon Ash who pioneered a bunch of research on the causes of social influence. And in the 1950s, he ran a series of experiments to test the vulnerability of people's convictions. Now, he wanted to determine how much social influence would be required to change somebody's mind about something they believed to be true. And as it turns out, it doesn't take much. Now, in Ash's experiments, he started with one very basic question. So here's what he did. He gathered a study group and positioned them in a classroom. Now, on each of the participants' desks was a piece of paper with one line. All right, now at the front of the classroom was a slide projector. And Ash showed his subjects on the projector three lines, each of a different length. One was super, super long, one was very, very short, and one line was exactly the same length as the one on their desk. Now the participants were then asked to call out which line on the slide was the same length as the one on their desk. Now this question was built simply enough that 100% of the subjects got the answer right. So here comes the second part of this exam. What Ash did next is he ran the same question, but this time he had the majority of the room, the classroom filled with actors, individuals who had been briefed to play a coordinated role 
in the experiment. Now, the subjects were given the same question, but this time the actors would call out their answers early and they would all give the same but incorrect answer. Now, over several rounds of this exercise, Ash proved that up to 75% of the subjects would follow the cue of the loud majority and submit the obvious wrong answer. Now, if 75% of a population can be swayed with such a simple question, like which of these two lines is the same length, imagine what occurs when complex issues like assessing public policy or social dilemmas land on our desk, right? Now, as his experiment went forward, he increased the complexity of the questions and sure enough, as expected, the influence of the majority became stronger. So why is it that we follow social influence and why is it so strong and effective at creating conformity? Now, the simple answer here is peer pressure, right? We want to avoid facing the disapproval of our peers. And this is a primal instinct. Whether out in the savannah or just walking down a dark alley, we feel safer in a group. That's logical, right? Now, the second answer is that we doubt our competency. So after Ash's experiment, he interviewed all the participants to learn why they readily selected the wrong answers. Most of them stated that they actually believed their initial perceptions must have been wrong. Now, this is logical, right? The belief that I am right and everybody else is wrong, that's a challenging conviction to hold. Now, he conducted 130 of these experiments in 17 countries. So what did he prove after all this, right? He essentially proved that if I put you in a room with 50 other people, and then I put a table at the front of that room, and then I ask everybody, is this a table or a chair? And before you have a chance to answer, the other 50 people immediately call out, chair. You would at least for a moment wonder if you were having a mental lapse and had momentarily confused those two words. And your second thought would probably be that you thought you misunderstood the question and that chair was in fact the right answer. So that is to say that if you are human, you would likely default to group consensus. And this is where it gets really interesting. In 2005, PubMed published an article titled, this is a mouthful, Neurological Correlates of Social Conformity and Independence During Mental Rotation. It's a ridiculous title, but what it means is that this article, it presented a series of similar experiments, this time paired with brain scans, right? So similar experiment, but this time looking at brain activity simultaneously. And it showed that when people conform in ash-like settings, they actually begin to see the situation as everybody else does. They start to believe that that table is actually a chair. Their perception of reality and truth actually changes. Under the right settings, we can convince people that chairs are tables. Now, look, over the last three years, we've had no shortage of deep social divisions around highly complex issues, right? Health mandates, civil rights, geopolitical tensions, gender norms, and much, much more complicated than measuring a line on a chalkboard. So if you ever found yourself wondering, what's wrong with them? Now we know, right? You see a table and they see a chair. It shouldn't be a surprise that we don't communicate very well sometimes. Now, nobody likes hearing this, right? I wanna believe that I am a strong-willed, independent-minded, sovereign being who will make up his own choices, right? I feel called to dispute the results of Ash's exams, but an abundance of research on the topic states otherwise. Now, here's why this is important. You can't defend against the enemy you don't see. So recognizing the impact of social influence is the first step in immunizing yourself from it, right? That's why believing the research has value. Now, Ash proved 
that there's a lot we can't control. Many social influences fly under the radar and infect us like a virus, but there are many things that we can control. And by getting clear on our desired outcome, we can focus on the required inputs. Let me give you an example. If I want to feel inspired, driven, creative, present, then I can seek out people who evoke those feelings in me. If I want better deal flow, a higher income, a fitter body, right? I can seek out people that inspire those actions in me. All right, Ash also proved that truths, the truths of society are super arbitrary and we are often governed by a loud majority, many of whom are just blindly aligning with other confident voices, right? He proved that in confusing situations, usually everybody else is just as confused as you are and therefore you can choose to speak first and people will respect you for it. He proved that one, confidence vo one confident voice who speaks first can turn the tide of the crowd and you or I can choose to be that confident voice. Look, I found this information super riveting and I love asking questions like this to try to understand what drives sentiment and what drives good and bad decision makings, what controls intuition, what controls our gut instinct and all of this. Now, this is the kind of stuff that I write about every Sunday in my weekly essay. I publish a letter to over 40,000 investors just like me looking for the smartest home for their cash and that also understand managing money is all about managing your mind. This is the most important tool in the investor's toolkit. There's a link right beneath this piece of content where you can subscribe if you want to hear from me every Sunday morning. All right, thanks for listening. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor, follow or subscribe to this podcast. Drop me a rating and a review and share this with a friend. All of these things allow me to get bigger and better guests on the show. Now you can catch me all over social media at jmartinbc. Thanks for tuning in.